This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, so it's a done deal, 10 years, uh, $85 million for James Franklin. Jared Prugard joins us. We're going to get into the uh, pros and the cons of the coaches. Uh, extensive, long-term deal. Jared, uh, the good news is, we're going to start with the good news first. Penn State wanted stability. Penn State wanted to not have to really be going through all this and, and to be showing you know, a full commitment to James Franklin and to football. And so from a positive standpoint, uh, Penn State sent a message with this new contract for James Franklin that we are going to be fully committed not only to football, but fully committed to you and and, and, the, and the stability that James, we think, can bring. And James represents graduating players and doing a lot of good things. There are a lot of positives from that standpoint. Yeah, and, and James Franklin means he is Penn State football. He he epitomizes what Penn State football traditions have been for numerous years. And that dates back to, to the late Joe Paterno. It's success with honor. It's graduating student athletes. He puts an emphasis on that. And you know what? They are student athletes. As much as we think that they're they're, they're holier than thou, they are at the, at the root of it student athletes. Now, some schools put different emphasis on either of those two hyphenated words. Some put emphasis on the student, and some put all the emphasis on athlete. But you know the biggest thing is stability, and you see it in the SEC, and you see it in some of these cutthroat conferences where those programs that don't have stability aren't successful year in and year out. Perennial powers like Texas. Since they let go of Mac Brown, they have not been consistently good at football, even when they declared that they were back just a couple years ago. My beef with all of this is really not even with James Franklin. Personally, I'm glad James is sticking around. I like dealing with him. He makes our jobs easier. He's a pro. He's good to the media. Um, this is not really even personal about James Franklin. My beef with all of this is the process and the system. The system is flawed. Because what what happened here is you have a coach who was making $7 million a year and had four years left on his contract. And they've struggled. They have not been a, a really strong football team last year or this year. Um, oh, yeah, they almost beat Ohio State. Well, they didn't. And they lost to Illinois. And, and if they lose to Michigan State, they're 7-5, and five, although I am picking them to beat Michigan State to go 8-4. and four. I can, we, we can poke holes in the resume of James Franklin goes, going back to last year. And yet, despite that, he apparently lo- never lost any leverage in any of this because while it's a positive that the school wanted stability, I feel like the school has ignored what's happened on the field, and they're so afraid of the unknown that, my God, how, how could we possibly ever even risk letting James Franklin go? Let's completely overreact, and the word is overcompensate, and that has a dual meaning here. You can overcompensate for anything in life. They overcompensated, period, and then they overcompensated financially, as well, because they were so afraid 
of losing their stability that, to me, I really wonder if they were bidding against themselves, Jared, because James said they started this negotiation process nine weeks ago. That would have lined up with USC and Clay Helton. And that would have lined up before they crapped the bed as -hmm. a football team this year. So my point is, if they were afraid that he was going to leave because everything started nine weeks ago, did they just ignore what's happened this season? And I just wonder, does USC even still want him? Does LSU want him? Does anybody Would anybody have wanted James Franklin now? So why did Penn State feel the need to back up the Brinks truck when maybe— there might not have even been any place else for him to go. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because you, you look at the overall body of work, and you, t- you and then you look at the two years, you know, you look at COVID in, in 2020, and, and you look at 2021, and just the utter disaster that some of those games have been. They're an injury away from being 9-1, and one, or, I, um, or you know, they, they probably lose to Ohio State if Sean Clifford's healthy, um, even healthier than what he was, but they probably don't lose to Iowa, and they definitely don't lose to Illinois. They probably still lose to Michigan. Um, but you know, it, it's one of those situations. The overall body of work does matter, but again, you stay stability. You want to be stable. Um, you don't want to run into an issue and say, Hey, see you go get Luke fickle. Can he win at Penn state? Who knows? You, you would hope so, but winning at but different schools is different than here. How confident are you that USC still wanted James Franklin? I'm not. Oh yeah. I don't I'm, think I'm not they did at, either. I'm, I'm not at all. And confident. I don't think that he wanted to go. I, I am confident he wanted, and this we'll disagree on that. I do think he wanted to go. I, I, we're never going to know. We're never going to know ever, 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 unless somebody from USC comes out and leaks it. I was told by somebody that has a lot of connections at Florida State that actually last year when Florida State was interested in James, that he was interested in them to a degree. Okay, so are we ever going to fully know? No. I, all I'm saying is, did Penn State really have to do this? Could they have not have called his bluff and said, "Okay, we'll we'll consider another contract in a year or two if you get this turned around." But if you want to go, if you're going to hold us hostage right now, and you want to go, and and we'll risk losing you right now, well then we'll see how it plays out. You just lost to Illinois, and if you lose to Michigan State and you're seven and five, I can't imagine USC wants him. If you if Penn State would have called him on the bluff. I just think that there was probably a a tremendously strong chance that he doesn't go anywhere anyway, and Mm. now you're not having to pay him all this money. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the money money part is for him, whatever. Yeah, the money part is not the the biggest thing. The biggest thing thing here is going to come out here in the next couple days and weeks and months where where are they going to put these facility upgrades? What are they going to do to these facilities? How are they going to pay for them? Yeah, right, because they have not done a great job of fundraising under Sandy Barber. But at the same time, that's what this is all about. The money, I mean, he, the, he doesn't get a raise incrementally over the course of the contract. However, it's those years. It's the years of control. Now he's going to be at Penn State 6, 8, 10, 12 years. Who, why would he want to go anywhere else? Who's going to want wouldn't. him? You know what you're going to get from James Franklin. That's at the very least, you're going to be 8 and 4. At the, at the very best, you're going to be 11 and 1, 10 and 2, maybe even a 12 and, 12 and 0 year once every four years if you're lucky. Um, you beat. Ohio State maybe once every eight years, and you beat Michigan every other year when you depending on who's the home team, and then you beat um, Michigan State for the prestigious Lane Grant Trophy. Um, 
every once in a while too. So you know what you're going to get out of Gene Franklin. You don't know what you're going to get out of anybody else that you could have hired or, or could have went after. That's true. There's there's no question, and that's back to the positive in this, and that is stability. Penn State knows that it has someone there who who we think loves being there and can probably be there for a long time. I, I'm I'm talking about logistics here. I'm talking about the logistics of why they fully felt the need to give James Franklin everything that he wanted when they're sitting here at seven and four coming off of a four and five season. And this is more specifically what I'm talking about than even than even the 10 years or the 8.5 million a year. And it's the buyout. Okay, folks, if James Franklin leaves before April 1st, let's say he just changes heart in the next month or two, he's got to pay Penn State $12 million. So that's not going to happen. He's not going to pay $12 million. If he can he, pay us $12 million. Yeah, if he leaves by December 1st next year, say another job comes open next December, he would have to pay Penn State $8 million. And then in 2023, $6 million. So if he leaves within the next two or three years, he's going to have to pay Penn State a pretty significant amount. After that, he'd have to pay Penn State. His buyout is $2 million. My issue is this. James Franklin can be right back here, right back in this spot in three years Mm -hmm. and holding Penn State hostage again because there's nothing – a $2 million buyout from 24 to 25 or a $1 million buyout from 26 to 30. That's nothing. That's chump change for these, for these coaches. James Franklin, they, they allowed him to be put into a situation where he can come back and hold Penn State hostage again in two or three years. And where's more money? This is going to be like a NASCAR race, Corey. It's going to be every four years they're going to take another lap around. They could have made his buyout but, $20 million. James mm-hmm. We're giving you 10 years. You want to leave, you're going to pay us. And there's no way in hell they're paying him to, when he, if they fire him. That's the flip side, the other part. So not only did he get a phenomenal deal from, from his buyout component, let's say they fire him, okay? Let, let's say that James does coach at Penn State for five more years. And he does some good things, but they're still in the 8-4 and four rut, and they can't beat Ohio State, and he can't beat a top 10. Let's just say Penn State wanted to fire James Franklin. How would they do that? They owe him $7 million per year for, for 10 years. The other million and a half is, is, uh, is contingent on, on some other things, retention bonuses and things like that. So they would have to pay him se- – after five years, if they wanted to fire him, they would owe him $35 million. So that's what I, that's what I have a hard time wrapping my mind around are those two elements or those three elements. I would love a job like that. Did, did you really have to do this now? Did you really feel 100% compelled that you had to do this now? Because again – does USC even want him? So that's one. Two, he can walk in a few years, or he can keep playing this game and game the system and come back in two or three years because his buyout is so low, and he can force Penn State into doing this again. So that's two. And then three, if he struggles and Penn State does have to move on from him, they're going to owe him a boatload of money. James Franklin won, and then he won again, and then he won again, and then he hit a nine-run home run here. To me, he's that, won more in this contract deal than he has on the field this year. That's, that's and so why? Why did they give him every single thing he wanted for a coach who's eleven and nine going back to last year? Well, stability. I mean, that's got to yeah. be it. Stability. He's a great face of the university. He's not caused any issues off the field 
on the field, he does things the right way. Of course, he gets a little pissy uh, at the officials, but who doesn't? Um, but he's not going to go out and, and cause a ruckus and cause issues here for your university. He is a good face of the program. He's exactly, I think, what he's a Pennsylvania guy. He's exactly what you would want from a from the leader of the program, and and that's essentially what what you got to do. You know, it, it's it's much different than uh, than when Pat Chambers gets let go because of the. Um, the racial issues here is a, is a biracial human being who is uh, an excellent leader on and off the field. It's a good role model. Um, everything that we've seen, he is a great family man. He is the guy that you want to lead your program. You don't know what you're going to get if you go elsewhere. Yeah. But the results have to pay for themselves. You know, but it, see, that's that's the issue, Jared. What if there are no results? Well, and then I think that's something you're that stuck. Sandy Barber has to look at what Sandy Barber has gone in a year and a half and Eric Barron's gone now. Right. The, the results, the next people are going to have to deal right. with Right, and this isn't their problem This now. isn't their problem. This is not going to be their problem in 2025. The, I, for Folks, I do want Penn State football to succeed. That makes our jobs easier. It's a, it's a lot easier to talk about a good football team. If they don't succeed, then Sandy Barber and Eric Barron just saddled the next, their predecessors with you know, thirty, forty, fifty million dollars in in buyouts, if he has to get fired down. And while they're sitting at Bora Bora, drinking mimosas every morning. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, that's the contract stuff. After this, we're going to talk about the future of Penn State. What is a realistic expectation now that James has the contract? What can we expect during this ten-year period? It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so we know James Franklin is going to be at Penn State for a long, long time. What can we realistically expect then from Penn State? Let's let's look ahead to ten years. Jared Prugar, join me. All right, so Jared, um, they've not made a college football playoff. They were closest in 2016 with James Franklin with this recruiting class. You you give me a year where you think it's uh, legitimate that Penn State could make a playoff. I want to say probably 2022-2023. I mean, it's, when's the expansion happening? It's we don't Okay, that's a different question cuz as of right now the expansion is not happening. Right. The expansion I don't believe can happen at all until what? Until 20? 2025. Right. Okay. And so while what's it's November, uh when this all when that whole discussion started very early in the year, everybody just assumed it was going to expand to 12. There's really been no movement toward that in the last five or six months. And, in fact, it's gone the other way to where now there's even more pushback against expanding to 12. So let me ask – let me rephrase. If the, if the college football playoff stays at four, when, do the, when does Penn State make the playoff? I'd say 2023. Um, I think that's – a. I mean it, it just kind of depends on how, this, how, how they're able to develop. 
Um, they've got some young running backs who by that time will be juniors. Um, and I'm speaking of Kevon Lee. Uh, Parker Washington as well. He'll be a junior um, because last year didn't really count eligibility-wise. Now, whether they stayed there the entire time remains to be seen. But I think the 2023 season, it's not necessarily I – I haven't looked at the schedule, but I don't think it's going to be as big of a gauntlet as 2022 or this year was uh, to start the season. But, again, you know, you you would hope that they Christian Veyu can develop or even a Drew Aller can develop. Um, and, God, hopefully they can figure out something up front. So you're saying 2020 – look, I don't think next year is even remotely close. I think – Clifford's probably gone next year. I think they maybe take a, a, a pretty significant hit next year, although you never know with the portal who they might get or whatever. But Drew Aller this, Drew Aller, I just don't think he's going to be ready uh, next year. So 2023 is, to me, the absolute earliest that, mm-hmm. that we think they could contend for a college football playoff spot. You know what they do in 2023? Because no matter what, any time – I've said this for years, Jared – any time you think Penn State is going to be good – you know what the very, very first thing I look at is? What's that, Corey? Where's the Ohio State game? Right. In 2023, they go to Columbus. And that's the problem, is that no matter what you think Penn State is going to be, you always must compare it to Ohio State. Last year, we thought, okay, maybe Penn State would have a shot. They're number seven in the country in the preseason. They got Ohio State in week two. Preseason rankings at, don't matter. They do matter. When you're number seven team in the country and you've got Ohio State coming to your place in week two, you can't friggin' lose to Indiana. Right. They shouldn't matter as much as they do. That, but, right. They do matter. So my point is, last year, going into last year, now this was before Journey Brown and before Michael Parsons, which obviously were huge moves. Last year, Ohio State was coming to Penn State. And you thought, this is going to be a good Penn State team. This is a year that it could happen. In a normal year, absolutely. In a, in a normal year. This year, you had to go out there, and, and obviously that was lost. It was, it was a very good game. But to me, and, and Ohio State comes to Penn State next year. To me, you, you just simply cannot evaluate Penn State in a bubble unless you're going to include Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Penn State has the number one quarterback recruit in the country coming in next year. That's that's to be excited about, right? Drew Aller, you excited about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the competition. It actually seems like there might be a competition between him and Christian Bate. Maybe so, yeah. You know what Ohio State's got? They got the Heisman Trophy winner this year in C.J. Stroud. What would you rather have, the number one quarterback recruit in the country or the Heisman Trophy winner? Well, it depends on what you look at as your program. But it, obviously, it's I think to me, it's the Heisman. The number one quarterback recruit in the country before he reclassified, allowing Drew Aller to take that spot. Was Quinn Ewers. Was yeah. Quinn Ewers. Where is he at? He is currently in practice for the Ohio State. Sitting on the bench because C.J. Stroud has at least one more year. Mm-hmm. And then Quinn Ewers. So that's where, to me, this is not about James Franklin. This is about the reality of what Penn State faces against Ohio State in the Big Ten. But the good news is Penn State has played Ohio State as well as anybody in the conference. And there is, while while... We're not talking moral victories here. There is something to be said for the fact moral that competitiveness. they have com- competed with them at least. Yeah, right. And and that's, you know, you don't get that out of Michigan. You don't get that out of Michigan State. And and really after that, it's a significant drop off in the Big Ten East. But if I'm James Franklin, I'm rounding up Mel Tucker, who was just signed for or talks about a big time deal. And then he goes out and lays an egg and Michigan State lays an egg against Ohio State. Um, I'm sitting right outside of Big Ten headquarters and be like, we need to redo these divisions. We, if, if you want this to be as competitive as it can be, we need to 
we re reunite or whatever you got to do. If you had to bring legends and leaders back to what it was before Rutgers and Maryland came into to the fold, whatever. But you got to redo the divisions if you want it to be any sort of actual competitive. Yeah, there's. I, I would agree with that. And that's something we can't foresee in the future when we're thinking about what Penn State could be down the road. The bottom line is you're still going to have Ohio State in your in your mm-hmm. way. But if you didn't have divisions, then maybe you could actually play Ohio State again in the conference championship game. Because there, there will be, without question, there's no doubt, there will always be a Penn State-Ohio State game every year. That mm-hmm. game is too big. It's typically one of the handful of largest TV rating games in the country. So even if there's no divisions, or if they redid the divisions, Penn State and Ohio State would be in the same division anyway. And you can easily work it out where they're playing a cross-division t- team every every year like They would that. play Ohio State, and then Michigan. they would play Michigan State. Yeah. And Michigan, they, I think they would be in the, probably the same division. They'd probably be—Michigan and Michigan State would go to another division mm-hmm. but because they have to be together, and Penn State and Ohio State would, would always be mm-hmm. together. And then Ohio State would play Michigan in a cross-divisional game. And same thing with Michigan State and Penn State and Penn, because correct. obviously— That's a pretty good route. Land-grant trophy. And you got to have the land-grant trophy. But the issue here is the future. You say 2023. I would say maybe they'll have a shot in 2023, depending on how things go— um, but the concern for me is the fact that James Franklin, I just do not believe, is a very good game coach. The issue for me, bottom line, is they've lost nine consecutive games to top ten teams. And in all nine of those games, Penn State was ranked. And I think in about half of them, they had the lead in the game. Okay, So that, to me, is when I, when I evaluate James Franklin, and what happens if Brent Pry leaves for another job, you know? Because a lot of their program success depends on him. That that to me is my my single biggest concern about James Franklin. He wants all these extra resources, Jared. The resources didn't lose to Illinois. The resources didn't lose to Iowa. They lost to those teams because they didn't have a backup quarterback ready to play. Yeah, right. And I mean, we and it's so crazy to watch Christian Veyu play and how well he played. Obviously, it's only Rutgers, right? That was not the greatest team, but it was a good good team for him to to get some get his feet wet with. Um, but yeah, I mean, resources and facilities only do so much. You can only pump so much iron, and and pr- I mean, the turf monster didn't get Jordan Stout when he when he had to attempt an, uh, a fake field goal against the Wolverines. Um, so you know, again, you you gotta you gotta put up or shut up. And largely, James Franklin has done okay. I mean, they're winning. But how good does Penn State football want to be? Whoever is the next AD, whoever is the next president. What level of competition or, or competitiveness do you want Penn State to be? Do you want them to be in this little eight to twelve to sixteen range, mm-hmm. or do you want to take them to the next step? You want to go to that four to eight or that up, that upper scale elite action that Alabama is, that Clemson is every year, or Ohio State is one to four. What do you have to do to get there? Are they going to do that or trying to do that with the facilities? But is the coach going to hold you back, or is this the guy that you want to take? You want him to take you to the promised land because Penn State hasn't. Really, it's been quite a quite a long time to get back to that. The coach is my biggest concern in everything that you just said. I think James Franklin is a really good coach that really struggles in some key situations when the game is on the line. And but he is the right guy to get you. He's the right guy to keep you at a really high level. Mm-hmm. Is he the right guy to get you to a next level? I've, I'm not really sold on that. Um, but if the playoff goes to twelve. Now we're talking about a completely different story because Penn State would have made a 12-team playoff in 2016, in 2017, in 2018, and 2019. They finished in the top 12 mm-hmm. all four of those years. They would have made it. 
so I'm sure James Franklin is sitting there, one, hoping your what you talked about with the divisions goes away because that would significantly help Penn State. And two, what, what would probably help Penn State the most as a football program would be a 12-team playoff because I would have to think that in, in the course of any given decade, just because you're Penn State and just because of what you can do, you would be in the top 12 four to six times per decade. At least, if not significantly more. How many times will be will you be in the top four? Well, I'm not I'm not sure any because it's it's very difficult when Ohio State is always in your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean the biggest thing is you gotta get past Ohio State. And that's that is your main goal is what can we do at this facility or at this program and this university to get past Ohio State? That is our big brother. That is who we need to beat every year. Who whatever that means. Now, for me, I need to see a lot more consistency as far as coordinators go. I mean, Yurisich is in his first year. Sharaka was here for a year. Ricky Ronnie was here for two, and then he went to Old Dominion. Joe Moorhead was here for two. You know, John Donovan, ugh, gosh, back to back to those days. Now, let's see what they can do. Let's see what Yurisich can do if he's even around for year two. Next year's he will. And next year's a vital year, I think, for Mike Yurisich because the offense has really struggled this year. And you know that Aller is coming because of Yurcich. And it's his guy, yes. It's his guy. And so you can't move on from Yurcich. But we need to see a massive, massive improvement in the offense and obviously the running game in year two under Mike Yurcich. Oh, without a doubt. Um, and you need to see that this week against Michigan State, and you need to see that in the bowl, in the bowl game. Uh, and, you know, use that momentum, at the, the late season momentum, to get you into the spring practices and, and get you into spring ball. Um, because you need it. This is probably the most consistency that they they should have coaching-wise in the last few seasons going into next year. So that's a plus. But at the same time, James Franklin's going to have some decisions to make um, on, on moves to make with, with his co- coaching staff as well. My bottom line, we're going to have 20 seconds apiece here, is I think James Franklin is a 9-3 and three and 10-2 and two kind of coach uh, at best. And I think that can be pretty good, um, and that can keep you at a pretty high level. Nine and three, ten and two, but that's losses to Ohio State, and then another loss. But you know what? There are ninety-eight percent of the programs in the country that would love to be nine and three, ten and two, and ultimately, I think that's why Penn State decided to keep him because the fear of being something worse. Yeah, the last thing you want to do is be six and six, or five and seven, or four and eight. But can James Franklin get you to eleven and one, twelve and zero? Well, we're gonna find out. We have ten years to find out. <laughs> yeah, Jared Pruger, I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, Corey.